as I read from Ephesians 1, 11 to 23. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of our Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, church. Oh, I'm so glad to be here with you this fourth Sunday of Advent. My name's Kim. I'm part of the staff team. I've been part of the staff team for about 15 years, and um, it's just an absolute privilege to be an expression of God's hands and feet and heart in our city with this church family. So thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming to worship Jesus here, and thank you to those of you who are online gathered. We are praying over this day, and we are confident that God has something for each of us and for all of us. Um, our lead pastor is on a sabbatical. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. And I just wanted to take a minute, this is off script, but I just wanted to take a minute and to thank somebody who's been covering him in a lot of his talks and a lot of his duties, which is Adam Harvey, who you heard earlier. Can you? He really doesn't like that I just did that. <laughs> but he really deserves it, and it's really good for us to show appreciation. So I am so thankful. I feel like I have learned so much under his teaching, and God has really used him in this church. And so I'm grateful. I'm also thankful for the other staff members and the incredible volunteers that we have serving all over in this building and also out in other expressions in our city. So thank you, Mosaic. Um, 
I also just want to take a minute before we get started to actually just pray. Let's just pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, we are here because of you. We are here because of your love. We are here because you, you have called us to be your people for your purposes and for your glory. Jesus, we thank you that you gave it all for us. You gave your entire life. You gave up heaven for us. Jesus, you are the head of the church and you are the head of this church. And we are your body and your family. And we stand here in wonder that we get to be. Spirit, we just thank you that you are the one who is empowering us to live as called and chosen people in this city, in this day, in this time, in this place, in this church. We love you. Father, Son, and Spirit, we're so grateful for you. We align our lives with you. And and today, Spirit, we ask that you will take just the truths of Scripture this book that is alive and active and that you would use it in our hearts and in our minds and you would use it in our lives, that we would be transformed and that we would leave this place transformed and as agents of you ready to help transform others in the name of Jesus. We ask all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the fourth Sunday of Advent, Adam gave a little bit of an overview earlier, but we are in a series called Dwell. And what we are wanting to do with that is to really, Adam used the word immerse, but immerse ourselves in the truth and the reality that God's purpose was always, God always purposed to be with us. He created us knowing that he wanted to be with us. And we celebrate that at Advent. We remember it. Advent simply means coming. And we remember at Advent the dark days that led up to the birth of Jesus. We also remember when he came into our hearts, when we gave our hearts to him. And then here as Jesus followers, we also stand here awaiting the second coming of Jesus where he will set all things right. So Advent is such a meaningful time for us. And I just wanted to um, just do a quick overview because each week has been so impactful. A lot of times we can be thinking about Advent as as dwelling, as God with us in Scripture. And we think about when when God came to be with us through Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. But the whole book is about that. The whole book is about that. From the very beginning pages of scripture, we see that God's creation was a temple. And that temple is God's presence with us. It is a place in Jewish literature where we believe, where where they write about and call into um, like definition the fact that God's heaven meets earth in a temple. So all of creation in the, is, is a temple from the very early days. And we see what happens there. We see what happens when, when Adam and Eve can't hold up their, their end of the bar, bargain in that, and that everything changes. But what happens after that? God's presence comes. 
he, he instructs his people, he starts to gather together this, this kind of, um, you know, odd group of people born to people who were like 90, 100 years old and starts to say, I'm going to make a nation out of you. I'm going to have you be my chosen people. Can you um, put up the scripture from Exodus? I love this because with the tabernacle, God instructs the people, he instructs Moses to make a place for him, a tent where he can travel with them, where his presence can be with them. And so in Exodus, he says, um, now to this group of people through Moses, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be, for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I want you to hold on to that thought because we're going to come back to it later. And then from Deuteronomy, we have just this other picture that I love. It says, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than all the people's for you were the fewest of peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery and the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Can you hear in this that God did not choose the people because they were mighty and powerful and worthy? In fact, they were small, and they were people that other people looked at and thought, what? Like, they would, they would not have measured them up to be the people that represent God, but God chose them. God chose this smaller group that he made into a nation, and they carried his presence with them. And they became representatives of God because of who God is. And God, in his power and might, is made known through them, through their weaknesses, through them being clearly not what you would think of as like regal people. At one point, I mean, they were slaves for like 400 years. These were people that God delivered and said, I'm gonna use you, the unlikely, to show the world who I am. And then, that happened for a while. And then again and again and again, if you're in our scripture reading, you're seeing, we're experiencing together the way that the people of God, his chosen na uh, nation, his chosen people actually fails over and over and over again. They are not able to uphold their covenant, their end of the bargain, but what we see again and again and again that God does not let go. He is after them. He is in pursuit of them. And he brings them into this place where he gives them a land, a promised land. And he, he gives them a king, a beloved king, a warrior poet king, King David. And King David wants to build God a house. God, I'm going to build you a house. And God says, you know what? Who are you to build me a house? And he says, King David was, as a warrior, he was, he was um, violent. He had committed a lot of 
um, there had been a lot of war, and God says, no, I want a peaceful person. I want a peaceful king to represent me, to build this house. And so he said, David, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have your son build it instead. But in the temple, we see God, God's presence fill it, and the people are able to come and worship God there. They're able to know God is with us, God is for us. But then the temple is destroyed. The people can't uphold it again, and God gives them over again to slavery. And they are, the, the temple is destroyed, but God, God does not let it end there. And what does he give us? He gives us Jesus. He gives us our Savior. So last week, we were in the portion of Scripture that we actually think about Christmas with, that we think about the nativity, we think about our Savior coming, giving up heaven in the form of a baby, in the form of a human coming to be among us. I love the scripture and from John. Um, it's in the message. And I'm just going to read it because uh, um, it's just, it's beautifully captures this. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves. He made to be their true selves, their child of God selves. These are the God-begotten, not the blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. So right there can, captures Jesus coming and his mission for us to make us our true selves, like him, children of God. It's been said, um, Stephen Covey, this leadership guru, some of you might know him, know of him. He has said um, it's, uh, it's important to begin with the end in mind to reach, to maximize your full potential. It's important to begin with the end in mind to maximize your full potential. And so it might be funny to stand here and, and to think about the fact that we already talked about Jesus coming on the third Sunday of Advent, but we did that actually on purpose because it's so easy for us to live between these, these um, holidays that mark our religious calendar that are so important to us. They're such identity bringers to us of celebrating Christ's birth at Christmas and celebrating his resurrection at Easter. And it's so easy for us in between that to enter a season where we actually just kind of let the truth go for a couple months until we feel excited again about the next holiday. And so what we want to do today is we want to begin with the end in mind. What does it mean 
that Jesus came at Christmas. And we want to come back at Christmas Eve and we want to celebrate remembering that Jesus came in the form of a baby, but for a reason. And so today what we are going to talk about is what scripture says is the, the, another way that God is with us. And it's a concept that's not super popular in our world. And it's a concept that might not even be popular among us. But it is beautiful and it is wondrous, it's miraculous. And it is the church, it's us. I just wanna read, um, go back really quick to the, to the scripture reading from Ephesians and just remember in 1 verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Is that the plan that you would have had? Is this the plan that when you look around and you read the headlines or you get in conversations with coworkers at work or maybe you overhear family members that you think, oh, I feel really good about this plan. <laughs> I feel really good about the church. I feel really good about, about what's happening. For so many of us, we don't. I was just at a, at a Christmas party and a couple of people were talking about... Um, a, a, a series on a cable network that is about some people who have pretty big names in, in the American church, in the U.S. church, and some of their failings and some of how, I think it's a, it may be a drama, but it's kind of how, how odd they are and maybe how off they are. And, and this is what these people who aren't Jesus followers yet are looking at as representatives of the church. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in those situations, I get pretty uncomfortable. And I want to maybe think, I don't know about this. I don't know that this is what, if this is their view of the church, how can we do anything to give them something better? Well, I want to read that scripture again, but this time in the message because I just love it. And I think um, both of it, both, all, all the translations of this are beautiful, but this is just worth saying. So this is Ephesians 1 again. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven. In charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all of this, the galaxies, the dominion, the authorities, at the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. 
This is how Eugene Peterson, this is from the message, says. So this part that we were just saying about God has appointed everything under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. He says, the church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. There is a Lutheran um, theologian, Robert Jensen, and he says it this way. He says, the church is God's availability in the world. That's you and me. We are God's availability in the world. Not just here. I love these times together. I love these times of worship. I love these times when we come together and we step out of what can be kind of the cold harshness of the Portland metro area and how it thinks about Jesus and how it thinks about this church. And we get together in this encouraging environment. We sing praises. It feels so good to see each other, but this is only a portion of it. And this portion is here actually for that reason, so that we can lift up the name of God high, that we can proclaim him king, that we can remind each other, and that we can be aligned with his mission. But then, the church actually happens as well when we go out the doors. When we go out, the nurses who are here, the parents who are here, the teachers, the students who are here. We are the church still we are God's availability in the world when we leave this room, when we click off the online stream. So what does that look like for us? Do we feel that? Do we align with it? Um, I wanted to also just read really quickly. Um, there's so much good scripture on this. I'm actually cutting some stuff out because... <laughs> But I feel like I could just stand up here and read scripture. It's so good. So um, let's see. Ephesians 2, I'm going to hop around a little bit. But this is what this means. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I was dead in my transgressions and sins in which we used to live when we followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But because of his great love for us, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. He made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And God raised us up with Christ Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Can you believe that? Us? Can you believe that? Do you feel that? Do you feel the Christmas miracle? This is what it's about. Oh man, it's so good. <laughs> 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not about, it's not from us, it's the gift of God, not by works, so it happened not by anything we did, it happened by what Jesus did, and it happened because of what we've been talking about since the very beginning of the series, since the very beginning of the book, because God loves us, and he loves the people in this city. And he loves the people in our world. And this is his plan. This is his plan. His plan is the church mobilized as hands and feet and hearts and minds and mouths of his presence and his love so that they could know what we know, so that they could know his incomparable riches, his mercy so that they can be seated with him and with us in the highest realms. It's us. We're his plan. This is when I want us to remember probably what some of us are sitting here thinking, which is those scriptures at the beginning. Leviticus, can you put Leviticus up again? I don't know about you, but for me, This is, so the Lord, let's hear this for this church. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because, so the Lord did not set his affection on us, Mosaic, and choose us because uh, we were the best church in Portland, because we're like the best looking, most talented, most gifted, most able people to reach the city of Portland to be missionaries to this city, but it's because he loves us and he's keeping an oath. Can you just pop to the next slide really quick? So listen to this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Mosaic, it's not because of how great we are. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. When we go back to Ephesians now, what we see is that that's the plan here as well. All along it is the plan. All along it is this plan that this group of people that are totally unqualified and totally unlikely are qualified by the Holy Spirit to be emissaries and ambassadors of Jesus to the world around us. Not because of who we are. In fact, the more unlikely that it is, the more unqualified I am, what does it show the world? Who God is, that is who God. He uses the most unlikely, he uses the smallest. Throughout scripture, you can see again and again, he uses the fearful, he uses the doubters, he uses sinners. He built his church 
on a man who denied him and relationship with him. Jesus uses us, the unlikely. And he does it. I'm going to just go back to this Ephesians 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So in the coming ages, God wants to use his church to tell his story. And we jump down a couple of verses and it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The word there, handiwork, is such a beautiful, um, it captures such a beautiful thing. But what it is, it's, a, it's um, in the Greek, it's poema. And it means uh, poem. We are actually a work of art. We are a beautiful poem. We are God's masterpiece that he is telling his story through. So I want to go to the... um, that this is about Jesus. The story that he is telling us, it is about Jesus. It is about us being unlikely. It is about us being unworthy. And it is about us knowing that we need Jesus and giving our lives and our hearts to him. Not just in a prayer that we pray one time, but with our choices and with our decisions and with our money and with our relationships that we align again and again and again with God as our king. The second thing is this church, this relationship with Jesus that we're called into, it's personal. All of us here probably have stories about ways that God has brought us here this morning. Some of us have long stories of the ways that we have been on the arduous pilgrimage with Jesus throughout our lives. And some of us are here, and maybe we don't even know. We're, we're like, I don't even know how I ended up here, but here I am. So God is calling us here through these personal stories that he is telling in our lives, but it is not private. So our personal relationship with Jesus and the way that he has created each of us individually and is telling a story through us comes together in a larger work of art called the church. It's not like, is anybody else? It's like, all, it's not a bunch of robots. It's a bunch of unique people with unique lives and unique stories. And then one of the things that is amazing about it is that God uses those differences to actually help us become more like him to tell his story. One of the things that sets the church apart is that you can look around And 
we don't all think the same thing. We don't all like the same thing. We might have some different ways that, um, that we think maybe music should go, different ways some politics should go. But we know that what is the most important, the person whose banner we come under, is Jesus. And so we, as his church, as different people, come under that banner of Jesus Christ, and we are actually shaped by each other. Because you know what? We have to give up a lot when we do that. <laughs> we have to give up a lot of comfort. We have to give up a lot of um, preferences. So this experience is not about us hearing the best message from the most uh, gifted person or really loving that style of music or maybe having the best programs. We actually come together as a church and we lay down our preferences for each other. Oh, we, we lay down our preferences, yes, for, for each other. And that is what makes us more like Jesus. We celebrate, let's celebrate if somebody here believe something maybe different than you, and what you get to do is you get to put Christ first. You get to say, when I look at that person, I see Jesus Christ, I see Christ alive in them, I see the purposes that he has, I see that he has raised them up to heaven. I love this um, in Philippians, I'm just gonna read it. Um, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. That's all about Jesus. It's saying put Jesus first. Put your affections towards Jesus above your affections for other things. And then let's all share in that. And let's all encourage each other in that. And let's see each other in that. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I'm seeing this now as a 47-year-old who has been a part of a church since I was four years old and been a part of God's church and then also been a part of a church body since that time, a couple different ones. But um, one of the things I've seen as I have aged, aged, my readers, is, um, is that w there are preferences that we have that we cultivate over our life, and we love to experience them in church. We love it when the music is what we love. We love it when maybe the style of church is the type that, we, that resonates with us. But as the world is changing, the younger generations 
start to have their preferences and their style. And what do we get to do? We get to lay down our preferences for those coming generations that Jesus is contextualizing the church through. What a beautiful opportunity for us to lay down our preferences and to prioritize our younger people, our younger generations. But listen to what it says about Jesus, and this is, this is really hitting on the Christmas message as well. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he left heaven. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Do you remember he washed the disciples' feet? That's how he showed, this is how I want you to lead. I want you to serve. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Can you hear the incredible story? that we are a part of and that we align with. That the God of the universe loved us and loved his creation and came to dwell with us and that now he dwells with this world through us. And it's not because we were so great, it's because he is so great. With this, um, we talked about that it's about Jesus. It's not about us. When we leave here, would people see Jesus and not us? We talked about that it is personal, but not private. We, as a church, are accountable to each other. We serve each other. We become more like Jesus when we give up our preferences for each other, when we pray for each other. And now I just also want to just bring in in this last part that um, we also have a role to play. Each of us here has a role to play in this Part of God's handiwork and part of that word poema means that through all, it's his creation and through all of the individual stories that he knows, scripture says he knows every hair on your head, he knows every experience you've had, he knows the gifting he has put inside you, he knows the ways that you respond to him and the ways that you don't respond to him and he loves you and he is saying you are me, you are me, you are my representative to the world. Jesus is the fullness of God and what it is saying there in Ephesians is that then we get to be the presence of Jesus to the world. 
And so my question for you today, as we're headed into um, Christmas, I have two questions actually, and I just kind of want us to sit with both of them, and we're just going to take a pause with this. The first one is, as we look ahead to Saturday, and we look ahead to this incredible story that, that, that we come around and we orient to and that we celebrate and that feels so good that God would leave heaven to be with us. What do we need to do here to remember about our salvation to prepare for this Christmas? I, I'm going to read um, from Psalm 51 in the message. Just thinking about there in Ephesians where it talks about how we were saved from our transgressions and we were brought from death to life. What is that story? Do you remember it? Do you remember what it was like to be of the world? And do you remember finding out that the creator of the universe loves you and saved you and wants to dwell with you and in you? So I'm just going to read this over you. Would you just close your eyes and think about that? What do you need to remember about your salvation? This is Psalm 51, 7 to 15 in the message. Soak me in your laundry and I'll come out clean. Scrub me and I'll have a snow white life. Tune me into foot, foot tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can find their way home. Commute my death sentence, God, my salvation, God, and I'll sing anthems to your life-giving ways. Unbutton my lips, dear God. I'll let loose with your praise. And then as we prepare our hearts to come and to participate in the table, to take his to take the, um, the juice and the bread and to remember that this represents that salvation. This represents God's great love for you. This represents his body broken and his blood spilled. Would you also be thinking about this question as we head into 2023, as we go through East, uh, Christmas, how can that be the start? What do you need to, to set down or what do you need to pick up to purpose your life as part of a church family to the greater story of God's presence to the world around you and through you? What do you need to set down? As we think about our exercise routines and our eating plans and our big hikes we want to take, um, what is it actually that we need to take spiritual inventory of to say, for me, to love and serve Jesus means that I love and I serve his church. And that means I need to set such and such that I've been doing down. Or it means 
What is the thing that I need to pick up so that I can actually do that, so I can love and serve Jesus and love and serve his church? Um, Mosaic, let's pray. Jesus, your plan is so beautiful and so wondrous and so miraculous. And it's so easy um, for it to just become almost mundane in our humanity, almost just religious, that we sing the carols, we put up the lights, but we forget. We forget that we are called and that we are purposed for you, by you, to do your work and to be your people in our world. Jesus, as we come here and we align our lives with your body and blood, we want to become like that. We want to pour out our own bodies for you, for the sake of the world around us. Would you give us the courage to do that spirit? Thank you for living in us. Would you wake us up? to the good works that you have prepared in advance for us. We love you. Amen.